Episode 82, Kyle Kumpf, entrepreneur and process improvement leader. Where I, I disobeyed one of my own personal values. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links, and more, go to markgraben.com slash mistake82. Please follow, rate, and review. If you like the episode, please share it with a friend or a colleague. Thanks. We're joined today by Kyle Kumpf. He's joining us uh, from Iowa, Dubuque, Iowa. Um, he has founded previously a few businesses. He's been a consultant. He's currently working in the corporate world and the financial services industry. Um, so Kyle, thank you for being a guest today. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure thing. Um, and you have a lot of experiences to draw on. I'm curious what the answer is going to be. What, Kyle, what's, what's your favorite mistake? Yeah, happy to share. Um, so my favorite mistake is uh, something that happened very early on in one of my um, roles I've had in my career, um, where I, I disobeyed one of my own personal values. And um, so the scenario is to kind of set up, There's a there was a reconciliation process that uh, happened every day. And the one, this one day, the operator was uh, running it and something odd came up. So they they stopped and called for help to another department to help them resolve this issue. And through that work, they thought they had resolved it. So they continued to move on and complete the process and thought we were all good. And then the next day, all hell broke loose. Something hadn't um, gone the way it should. And our customer's customer was the one that was being uh, quite negatively impacted um, from this this issue, uh, this error that happened. And I so I found out the second day um, because I was copied in on an email chain um, to the message that says, who's accountable for this? And judging by who it was from, I'm like, oh, I better read the rest of this chain to see who's on this, who knows who's been told what at this point, and then, and then go dig in um, and figure out what, what's really going on here. <clears throat> and so I found out who was uh, who had been running the process that day. So I could go talk to them. And so we sat down and talked, and they explained, here's the standard process, here's what I did, and Here's what was different about that day and what I did and who I called in to, to fix it. And after going through all that, I, I concluded that, you know, procedure was followed. Um, obviously, there is a gap because this error got through, so we need to fix that. Um, but there was nothing negligent on the operators um, in, in their process that they, that they followed that day. <clears throat> and so then after a few more, um, a little more investigation, we actually found the root cause found out that there was a bug that existed in the system that happened to rear its head that day. Could have happened to anyone. Um, so I thought, great, we found the root cause. We can fix that. We have a workaround in place right now until we get the fix in. Um, we won't have any issues going forward. And that, uh, that wasn't enough for the affected party. They, um, they wanted someone to blame. The, you know, blaming the process just wasn't going to, to cut it. Um, so, you know, long story short, uh, Instead of standing up and saying, no, here's, here's the issue and here's what I think we can do, uh, even though we're you know, deeply sorry this happened, here's why it happened and what we're going to do to re- remedy it, um, I instead went and wrote up that employee 
um, that had been operating the process that day, uh, essentially telling them you did everything right, um, but yet you're still going to get written up. And now this is going to be on your record um, going forward, which didn't seem right. Um, I was uncomfortable doing it, you know, not because giving someone bad news is hard, which it is. It was, I was again, going against my own value of being critical in the process and not the person. Um, and so that, that day I had essentially um, exercised conformity instead of courage. And in that moment was a boss versus a leader. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, um, I like the way you summarized that at the end um, choice of choice of words there. Um, gosh. So, I mean, that, that, that story resonates with me because, you know, I'd like to think I, I share those values with you, Kyle, of, of being, um, different way of saying it, hard on the process, not on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, was was this a situation where um, I mean, I you know, I I don't mean the second guess. It's not the uh, uh, the 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 point of the podcast here. But um, was there a would it have been possible to tell the customer, or I think you said the customer of the customer that yeah, we wrote them up and not really have done it, or. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a different value, perhaps, of, of lying to somebody that, that would be valuable. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Uh... <laughs> can you elaborate on, on some of those dynamics a little bit of, I, you know, I understand, like, you know, that somebody often, you know, gets upset. They want someone head, someone's head on a platter, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, and actually, short of, you know, doing that, I had actually offered my name up, like, you know what, if they want someone to blame, someone to be mad at. Um, this, this process falls under my responsibility, fine, I'll, I'll take it. Um, but in that instance, my manager went to bat for me and said, no, you're not, he protected me and he's not going to let you do that. Um, and then I essentially just gave into the pressure and all right, fine, I'll, I'll go write this, this employee up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tough. Um, I mean, we, I, I don't know if it's fair to go so far as to say that this is human, well, to say this is human nature to want to blame others. I mean, I think this, this happens a lot. I, I try to fight that, for example, where if I'm in a situation where I'm complaining about bad service to an organization, mm-hmm. I'm often really hesitant to do so because I'm afraid an individual is going to be unfairly blamed for um, a systemic problem. But um, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like what the customer was demanding here. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you have other reflections on this idea of, you know, how common is it or, or why people tend to want a name? I mean, we see this a lot in society. Yeah, I would agree with what you said earlier. This is human nature. Um, you know, processes in our, in our world today are all digital. They're not tangible. They aren't there to, you can't feel and touch them. So to say this process delivered this error, people just, they can't grasp onto that. But if you give them a name, they can picture a person that they can reach out and, and touch. Um, and I think that just gives them some kind of closure as to, yeah, th- this person's the one that created this error. They got um, reprimanded. You know, now now we're good. Yeah. What was the, the reaction of, of the operator in this case here of being written up? Did, did Sometimes people are hard on themselves or did, did they agree that, hey, this wasn't my fault. This isn't fair to be written up. Um, they didn't, uh, you know, they, they took the, the news pretty, pretty well. Um, I, I was forthcoming with them and said, you know, I, I didn't just say this was coming from me. I, I just said, I, I don't think this is right that I'm having to do this. Um, but given the circumstances, here's what's happening. And, 
you know, and they, they generally felt bad for what happened. Um, they were part of the solution and finding out what actually the problem was. And um, so we could fix it going forward. Um, so, and then later on, I did end up, you know, well after the fact, um, I did go back to them and, cause it was still in my mind, like this, this shouldn't have happened that way. Um, because there are instances after that where the same pressure was there. And I did use this as a lesson. I stood up and said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Um, and I did go back to that operator, original operator and, and apologize and just say, you know, I'm sorry, this, that shouldn't have happened that way. Mm-hmm. But, um, it didn't lead to their firing. Uh, it probably didn't have huge ramifications then. Uh, I, I, I nope, nope. There wasn't really any negative um, impact to them um, other than now they have this write-up on their file. Yeah, they are still employed, still eligible for promotions and other positions and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the phrase you used, the words you used, um, or compliance instead of courage is that oh conformity instead of courage conformity yeah. instead of courage yeah. um has reflecting on on that situation helped you um you know be more brave in other situations that that you've come in where you felt like maybe there was conflict between conformance and courage or standing up for the right thing and i know this is difficult in organizations. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, no, it, it's definitely um, given me, because I, I, again, like I said, giving the person the news that, hey, you're getting written up formally, did not feel good to do that. And, and I, you know, we don't like to go, feel bad ourselves. And um, so I use that a little bit as, as uh, incentive not to do that again. Um, and just again, use facts and and trying to articulate any in any way I can to management or customers, you know, here's why this issue happened. And obviously anything that is a manual process is going to have opportunity for an error to happen. We have, we have to accept that. And then when they do happen, update them, fix them, um, improve them. Um, but don't, don't um, reprimand our employees or our operators because then they're not going to become part of the solution. They're just going to be on the edge all the time, probably make more mistakes um, and then we're going to have more issues. Um, and I've, so again, just any way I can frame that and use that in, in discussions, not, not, not even when errors happen, but being proactive and just anytime, anytime I have a, an opportunity to, uh, communicate that perspective to people, just continually get that message out there so that when the opportunity does come up, I can fall back on, Hey guys, remember when we talked about this? Yeah. Let's not, not, uh, reprimand this person here. Let's look at the process and, and fix that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what, what are the origins, um, you know, professionally in, in your studies or, you know, influences that you have um, that sort of, you know, taught you the idea of, you know, focusing on the process, not the people or being, you know, uh, being tough on the process instead of blaming individuals? Um, that would have started early on. Um, I remember my, my first role out of college, I, I was assigned to work with a, a process engineer who had a... Um, pretty strong lean background. And that's where I was actually introduced to lean. Um, and he's the one that really taught me to look at everything as a process. And that process has produced the results. People just run them. They, they follow them. Um, and that really stuck with me early on in my, in my career. That's where I, and, and so I developed this, that personal core value of, you know, hard or critical in the process, not the person. Yeah. And, and for listeners, um, 
who aren't as familiar as Kyle and I are, um, you know, lean refers to, it's often called lean production or lean manufacturing. Um, I've done work in, in what's often described as lean healthcare and it, you know, it has roots in the Toyota production system. So um, Karen Ross, Matthew May, a few, a few of my guests come from some of my circles where um, we do this type of work. Um, and, and, you know, I just, you know, as I've worked in different industries, you know, I've seen in healthcare, there's, there's such a tendency organizationally to blame nurses or blame low level individuals for what are arguably systemic problems. You know, it's enough of a, you know, unfortunate cultural norm. And when I first got into healthcare, there was this expression, you know, a, a culture of naming, blaming, and shaming. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't lead to improvement. Um, you know, I'm sure you coming, if, if you were to take a position in healthcare, that would, that would seem second nature to you, that it's dysfunctional to react mm-hmm. with naming, blaming, and shaming when a problem occurs. We're, we're mm-hmm. still, I think, very much fighting that battle. We're trying to... yeah sway and influence people around that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of our other friends, you know, in, in this space, um, you know, related to quote unquote lean or um, Toyota is a friend of ours. And, you know, so I wanted to ask you, know, what, what prompted you, what, what got you thinking back to think about this mistake, even before you and I talked about doing the podcast, I think, or you stepped, in, stepped up and said, hey, I've been thinking about something that happened. What was your inspiration for that? Yeah, that was actually a story um, from Katie Anderson's new book, uh, Learning to Lead and Leading to Learn. Um, not to give too much away, but there's a story in there about Mr. Yoshino and one of his first assignments in a paint shop um, where he made a mistake. And, and, and this was at Toyota, by the way. At Toyota, yes, at Toyota. And uh, the first thing his manager said to him was, thank you for pointing out to us that we didn't set you up for success. This it makes absolute sense. You're new. The way we had this set up, uh, this mistake was absolutely possible. Um, and so there's obviously a lot more detail to that story, but that that's what prompted me to think, oh, I was that manager, only I didn't say thank you. I essentially slapped the person across the face and told them that they're terrible at their job um, by what I did. Um, and so that's what, that's what triggered me to uh, to think about this. So definitely that that's the story. Um, I would highly recommend uh, to any of the listeners out there to Know, to get a copy of it um, and, and not just read it to to read it, but read it to actually understand it because there's a lot, a lot of lessons to be learned um, in there. Yeah. And I, I know um, you can find the book on Amazon. Um, Katie Anderson's website is um, her initials kbjanderson.com um, where you can search Amazon for um, Katie Anderson. Um, leading to learn would, would be enough to bring up um, the book in mm-hmm. Amazon. Yeah. Um, I've made the mistake of saying the book title wrong um, before. So one of the many, <laughs> one of the many mistakes I make as I stumble through life, but, uh, but Katie's book is great. Mr. Yoshino, you know, as a, a retired Toyota leader shares a lot of, a lot of um, a great stories and reflections of his own and mistakes that, that he made. And, and I think that's such, you know, that story resonates with me too. I think it's such a rare and unusual reaction to say, thank you. Mm-hmm. When a mistake occurs, and and it would, what are your thoughts on how responding that way, saying thank you instead of naming, blaming, and shaming? From your experience, Kyle, how does that lead ultimately to better results for an organization? <clears throat> You're definitely going to get the the staff involved in improvement. 
um, when they when they know that if a mistake or an error happens, that they're going to get the full support of their management team to help um, improve that process so that that mistake doesn't happen again. You know, just the the level of engagement and opportunities you're going to get from your staff are going to go up exponentially versus the the latter where if you're in that uh, you know just blame game, it's going to be all up to management to to make put the fixes in. And since they're not the ones doing the process every day, likely those fixes aren't going to be the right ones. Yeah. Yeah, and and it, it 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 hampers our ability to fix things. It drives problems underground, and you know and the the one thing you know I really tried to embrace as we explore with different guests on the podcast here. It's you know uh, we need we need to learn from our mistakes, mm-hmm. and naming, blaming, and shaming um, doesn't allow us to do that as an organization. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate you and other guests coming on and and being forthright in in sharing. Um, you know, those reflections and and how that's helped shape you as a leader and as a business person and as an individual, right? Mm -hmm. If we, if we aren't making mistakes, we can't learn, but hopefully we are, we are learning from them. Yeah. So um, maybe final question, you know, as you've had different roles, um, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, when, when, when you're in the position of, instead of being an employee, being a business owner, a business leader, are there any you know kind of examples that come to mind of how you've been able to um, use that that value or that principle in in your own work of not blaming individuals for systemic problems? Oh, I can't think of a specific instance, but I can think of uh, one one client that I had when I was consulting. Um, you know, just early on in the engagement, I did set a clear expectation up front, like here's here's how I operate, here's how I go about my work, and just incorporated it in, um, you know, because that particular uh, piece of work was around some type of process improvement. And so I just laid the groundwork that I am critical on the process. You know, people aren't, no one wakes up thinking, how can we screw up today? Um, so just go in with that mindset as we're going through to help solve this problem, go into it with that, that lens um, instead of the, the traditional um, blame game. And I think that that definitely setting that groundwork and that expectation up front did help that particular engagement go better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, final, final question. So for those who are watching on YouTube, you can see there are many golf balls um, on the wall behind Kyle and, and golf is important to you. Does, does, does golfing help you, reflect on mistakes and, and trying to learn from them and improve uh, when you're out in the course. That, that's essentially the game of golf. It's a one big PDSA cycle. Um, and, and, and tell the listeners who don't know by, by PDSA is an act. Pl- yeah. Plan, do, study, act. It's the you know, scientific method. Um, and I like the joke because I've actually used that analogy with many people before. The whole goal of golf is to shoot the lowest score possible, but you got to start with it's just one shot at a time. And you have in your head, here's what the shot's going to do. Um, and I'm an amateur. I don't play eight hours a day, five days a week um, like pros do. So that shot I see in my head doesn't always happen. Um, so after you hit it, you, you got to go where the ball is now and then assess and then figure out what you didn't do right and try and play the next shot, you know, all the way through the 18 holes. And um, it does create that discipline to continually assess what you're doing and how you're doing and, and get better. And um, I think it was Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas said it best, you know, golf is just a game of six inches, which is all yeah. right here between the ears. That's hugely, it's a big part of its mental. Um, you know, my, my wife asked, you know, why do you torture yourself when you have these bad rounds? I'm like, yeah, 
yeah, it doesn't feel good, but then when you have the good ones and you actually win, like it just feels awesome. Like it all came together. And that's one of the things I really love about golf. And plus I can play it until I'm 80. You know, yeah. it's not like football where you got to stop on your 40 or younger for most of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, back to your point of no, no one comes to work intending to make mistakes. Nobody ever intends to hit it into the bunker. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Or the water or, you know, 40 yards right into a cornfield. <laughs> That's your courses in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's cornfields. <laughs> well, Kyle, um, thank you so much for, um, for, for coming here today and for sharing your story. Um, thanks for mentioning our friends, uh, Frank Katie Anderson's book. And again, that title, I'm making sure I don't make a mistake because I've gotten the title backwards before it is learning to lead leading to learn is, um, the, uh, the title. And you can find that on, uh, Amazon. So, um, Kyle Kumpf has been our guest today. Um, thanks a lot. Really good talking to you. Thanks for yep. thanks for having me, Mark. Again, thanks to Kyle Kumpf for being our guest today. For show notes, links, and more information, go to markgraven.com slash mistake82. And I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they've started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work, and they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.